0: I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person. I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, But as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you. If you want to contact us, that Connect Card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together.
1: My name is Madison and I'm out here asking people what they believe. What is church?
0: It depends on which church we're talking about. <laughs> I have lots of different beliefs about the different churches.
1: I don't know. What I've never been. Gonna- i never been to one. It. Um gosh, I, I think that some churches can be very dictatorship-like. What do you believe about the church? Dang. Uh, well, I think the modern, uh, modern corporate church is evil and they are watering down the concept of the Bible because it is a great book. Um, the building that we meet at, but there's the community that we build.
0: (laughs) Well, welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Really glad to have us be together. Glad that you're here. I'm glad to be with you. Welcome. Welcome to the Modesto campus here in the worship center. Welcome to everybody who's with us live right now on our online campus. And we're excited to be together. And if you're with us in the online campus, we're going to be observing communion in a little bit as we work through our our passages tonight. And so you may want to go and get some bread and get some juice, and that way you would be prepared for that as well. As we enter into that time, if it's your first time here, I want you to know we're really glad that you're here. We we hope that today's a great day for you. We hope that it's a a time of great encouragement for you and that as we've gathered together to worship, which is why we came. Did you think about why you came before you came today? Because the reason why we came is to worship the Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus. And if you're here for the first time and you're seeing the community come together to worship the Lord, I hope that it's inspiring to you and inviting to you. And maybe today is going to be a day that God uses you being here to really help draw you in to the family of God. And we'd be really glad for that. We're going to be looking at a number of passages today, quite a few. Um, and so you're, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to flip we're going to have to do some flipping today, all right? Just don't flip out while you do it. Just, but we're going, to, we're going to do some flipping today. If you need a Bible, we want to give you a Bible for free. It's our gift to you. The church has purchased. The family here has purchased Bibles. They're in the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in. If you need prayer after the gathering, just come to the altar room. We would love to pray for you. We'd also love to give you a Bible if you need a Bible. We want to make sure, sure everyone has a copy of the Word of God. But I want to share a little bit. We've been going through this series called Believe. This is the 10th weekend we've been in this series. And we've been looking at the statement of faith. And part of my heart as a pastor for our church family of why we're going through this series is kind of twofold. The first is we, we believe in Jesus Christ. And this series we're looking at what is it we believe in Jesus Christ. But we also believe about Jesus. The the scriptures teach us a lot about Jesus, and Jesus teaches us a lot through the scriptures about the Lord, about serving the Lord, about living for the Lord. And so we believe in Jesus, and we believe about Jesus. And we want to have that heartbeat together as a church family. We want to believe together as a local body of believers. And I want you to know, because we've gone through this series... The number of questions that I have been asked has gone way up. Because as we've gone through this series, it has stirred a lot in people's hearts and in people's minds and in questions that people have about the Lord, questions that people have about the scriptures. And I want you to know the leadership of this church invites your questions. The leadership of this church invites your questions. It's okay to have questions It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to not know it all. None of us do. But we want to continue learning together. We want to continue growing together and really following Jesus together. And so it's exciting to see how this series has really stirred up a lot of really great conversation. And I hope you're having conversations with others about the things we're talking about in this series. And if you're not, I would encourage you to begin Begin talking with other people about the subjects that we're looking at together, that you can learn to dialogue about these things with the family of God. So in our statement of faith, in Article 10 from our Constitution, which is a document that guides our church, it says, we believe and accept the following statements as essentials for the unity and practice of the members of this church. And as we've gone through teaching through each of these statements, it's doing this. We believe and accept the following statements as essentials for the unity and practice of the members of this church. As we have gone through this series, looking at our statement of faith, it is producing this result. It is producing unity. As we're coming together around what the scriptures teach for our local body here at Big Valley Grace Community Church, and it's exciting. It's exciting to see how God is bringing unity and increasing unity in our church family. As we're following the Lord together. So we get to statement number nine, which is what we're going to look at together today. And and statement number nine, it's about us. It's about the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And there's a bunch of passages underneath that title. You're not going to read any of them because they're really small, but we're going to read all of them together. So that's going to be, we're going to be good, but I do want to read the statement. It's a pretty long statement. And as we get to the end of these statements in the statement of faith, they get longer. So uh, we're going to have some long ones here as we get to the end. But this one's a longer one. And it says this. We believe that all believers from the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 until the return of Jesus Christ are members of the church, the body of Christ. And that the visible manifestation on earth is local churches where believers assemble for teaching, fellowship, prayer, prayer and observance of Christ's commands regarding baptism and communion. We believe in water baptism by immersion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and in remembering the night our Lord was with his disciples in the upper room by regularly observing the Lord's Supper. Let me pray for us. Father God, Lord, as we get out our shovels and dig into your word, God, would we really discover the hidden treasures that you have for us, the great gifts that you want to give us, the new places where you want to draw us into your love, the new places where you want us to know you? And as we spend time in your word, would it bring us to you, the God of the word, and that right now we would commune in fellowship with you as we spend time in your word. So God, may this be an incredible moment as we read your word together. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, Amen. 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 appreciate your enthusiasm. So I'm going to break this statement down into four truths. We believe in unity, four truths regarding the church of Jesus Christ. We believe in unity, Four truths regarding the church of Jesus Christ. And the four truths are going to be four sections from the statement that I just read. And so each section is is pretty long. Again, this statement is a longer statement. So truth number one, we believe that all believers from the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 until the return of Jesus Christ are members of the church, the body of Christ. When we talk about what church are we a part of? Well, we're a part of the church of Jesus Christ. The universal big C church. The church of Jesus Christ. What that means is that means every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ throughout all of human history is included a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's really saying here that the church, it births, You know, Christ has at birth where we see it represented in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, and that every person who has ever placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior for sin is a part of the church. That is an enormous group of people. That's a huge group of people. When we get to the end of our Bibles and we read in Revelation, there's going to be a great moment in history, future, where all of the church is going to be gathered to worship the Lord. Every tribe, every tongue, people from all over. It's going to be an amazingly beautiful, diverse moment when we, for the first time in heaven, realize how big the church is the church is bigger than big valley grace community church this is a local expression of a much 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 bigger body and that is the body of christ in history we believe that all believers from the day of pentecost in acts 2 until the return of jesus christ are members of the church the body of christ It is exciting to be a part of the church. It's exciting to be a part of the church in any part of church history. It's exciting to be a part of the church right now. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he narrows in on Peter, and he says, I tell you, you are Peter. And in this moment, he's defining Peter, who Peter is. Then he makes another statement. He says, On on this rock I will build my church. And who's the rock? Well, there's been confusion about this passage because some have taken this passage to think that because Peter in the name is similar to the name Rock, that Jesus is saying that Peter is the rock of the church. But the Bible actually teaches something quite different. Jesus teaches something quite different. Because Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation. And he's saying, on this rock, I will build my church. And as Jesus is saying that, he's saying, I am the rock. And on me, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What do we learn in this verse? We learn that Jesus is going to build his church. Is the church of Jesus Christ going to be built? Yes, because Jesus said, I will build my church. So we don't have to wonder, is the church going to be built? Yes, the church will be built because Jesus said he is going to build his church on the rock of himself. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That should be an incredible encouragement to everyone who's a part of the church who's a part of the body of Christ, especially when we're in a culture that wants to open up the gates of hell and let the evil of the gates of hell flow in to every crevice and every part of our environment. We live in a time that's exciting to be a part of the church. Because Jesus is going to build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we live in a time and in a culture that is so empowered by darkness and evil. And we should be excited to be a part of something Jesus is going to build. He is going to build the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you are on the Team Jesus, your team wins. Team Jesus wins. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how it seems like the odds are stacked against you in this culture, Team Jesus wins. On this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, to really make clear who is the church founded on, it says, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Who's the leader of your church? Jesus. Who leads your church? Who leads your church? You hear people talking like that? Who's the leader of the church? Jesus. Who, who does the church belong to? Jesus, I will build my church. He's the head of the body, the church. Who's the beginning of the church? Was it Peter? No, Jesus is the beginning. He is the beginning. It says right there, he is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He is first in all aspects of the church, which is why right now we gather together to worship Jesus, he's the head of the body, the church, he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything he might be preeminent. Ephesians chapter one, 22 and 23. And he, this is speaking of the father, put all things under his, speaking of the son, under his feet and gave him the son as head over all things to the church. Very active, very active. Which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all? I think it's pretty clear who's in charge in the church. It's Jesus. The Father puts all things under the Son's feet and gives the Son as the head over all things to the church, which is the Son's body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. It's exciting to be a part of the church, to be a part of the body of Christ, which God is very active and very involved in. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we start to see now the explosion of expression of the people who make up the body. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so in Acts chapter 2, like the statement says, on the day of Pentecost, we see the church explode in participation and membership. When we talk about being a member of the body of Christ, it's someone who is a part of the church. And the church is expanding. And it has been expanding since this verse took place on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 souls were added that day. So truth number one, we believe that all believers from the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 until the return of Jesus Christ are members of the church, the body of Christ. Truth number two, and that the visible manifestation on earth is local churches where believers assemble for teaching, fellowship, prayer, and the observance of Christ's commands regarding baptism and communion. So every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ throughout human history is a part of the body of Christ. And they gather together locally around the world in big environments and in very small environments throughout history since Acts chapter 2 took place where the church exploded in number. And the church gathers together. In fact, the passage we're going to look at in the next section, it says, when you gather, when you gather, when you gather The church is supposed to gather. The church is supposed to come together. In Acts chapter 2, 42 through 27, when you think about what you were thinking about before you came to this moment right here, I want you to consider, as you were preparing to come to this moment, if the things that I'm about to read were a part of what you were considering before you came today, to this moment, to a worship gathering. (laughs) Let's look at what Acts two forty two through 47 says about the church when it gathers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, In our group tonight, that there are maybe a few different kinds of people. I would imagine there's one type of person that when we read that passage, you say, Yes, that is exactly where I thought I was coming tonight. That's exactly the type of group I thought I was coming to be with. A group of people who are going to live that out. I would say there's probably... Another type of person who's here, when we read a passage like that, you may say, I don't think I've ever experienced anything that sounds like what we just read in the passage. I don't know if I've ever experienced anything like that. And I want you to know, if you are in that group, we want you to know, we welcome you here And we want to be a part of the solution to where you can experience what this passage is talking about. Being a part of a group of people who have come together to devote themselves to Jesus Christ, to his word, to fellowship, to prayer, to serving one another, to finding out how one another is doing and meeting needs in one another's life. And there is no reason for you to live in isolation anymore. We want you to know As the church of Jesus Christ, we welcome you, and we want you here, and we want you to experience firsthand what the Word of God says about when the people of God come together. It is exciting to be a part of the church. It's exciting to serve in the church. It's exciting to give financially to the church to support the work of the ministry, It's exciting to use our spiritual gifts in service to the Lord. It's exciting to meet one another who are part of the body of Christ and to fellowship with one another and to get to know one another. It's exciting to pray for one another. It's exciting when a need arises and someone has a supply for that need and they meet each other and the need and the supply come together and God provides through his church. It's exciting to be a part Of the church. It's exciting to be a part of a church that has multiple generations, where the older generations in the church see that it is their privilege and responsibility as Christian men and Christian women to pour their lives into young boys and young girls. It's exciting to be a part of the church. It's exciting to see that there are young boys who need Christian men to pour their lives into those young boys. And there are young girls who need Christian women to pour their lives into those young girls because they are going to be the next part of the history of the church. It's exciting to be a part of the church. And we want you to know we want you to be a part of the church. It's why we encourage people to get into groups all the time. We encourage people to get into groups, into smaller environments, to where you can live life with other believers because it's exciting to be a part of the church. It's exciting to be in fellowship with those who are part of the body of Christ. And we want that for you. And if you're here and you go, you know what? I need some help and I need some prayer about that. I want you to know right afterwards, we want you to come to the altar room. We're gonna have a team of people there. And they're going to be ready to pray for you. Or you might want to use the Connect card and let us know how can we maybe help you take a step so that you could experience what life looks like a part of the body of Christ. We would love to help you. Truth number two is that in the visible manifestation on earth is local churches where believers assemble for teaching, fellowship, prayer, and observance of Christ's commands regarding baptism and communion. We're going to talk about baptism and communion tonight. That leads us to truth number three. We believe in water baptism by immersion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We believe in water baptism by immersion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that is written in that way is because that's what we see in Scripture. We see water baptism by immersion going into the water, coming out of the water. That's what immersion means, just going in, being immersed. That's what we see in Scripture, and we also see a very clear command from Jesus that when we baptize, we're to baptize in the name, one name, one name, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that in the next verse right here. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Here's the command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Very clear. Jesus wants us to make disciples of Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey. It's very clear what Jesus wants us to do. It's very clear that Jesus wants that for all of us. Maybe you're here, you haven't been baptized. I want to encourage you to be obedient to the command of Jesus to be baptized. Maybe you're here and you read the word, but you don't obey the word. I want to encourage you to become obedient to the word of God. That is clearly what Jesus is asking of us. Is that we would be a disciple, we'd be baptized, and we would be obedient to what he's asking us to do. And we don't do it alone. He says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that symbol of baptism is a symbol of what the incredible work that God has done to redeem us. It's not the baptism that saves you. It's that you've placed your faith in Jesus and you have salvation in Jesus. And he's asked us to be baptized to show everyone we've placed our faith in Jesus. It's a public profession. And it's really unifying when you meet somebody and they have been baptized. It's a very unifying thing to go, we've both been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. In verse 13 in Romans or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, For in one spirit you were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made of one spirit to drink. The water baptism represents the fact the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And it's very unifying when we meet somebody who the Holy Spirit of God lives in them. And one of the things about being a really big church is we have baptisms all the time. But you come to a specific service on a specific campus, and you don't see all the times people are being baptized. And so one of the things I asked our team to do this week is to put together a video of a bunch of baptisms that have happened recently so that we could, as an entire church throughout all our campuses, enjoy seeing how many baptized people have been baptized. This isn't everybody, but this is a lot of people who have been baptized very recently here at Big Valley Grace Community Church. Let's enjoy watching this together. It's encouraging, right, Yeah, to be connected, to profess our faith publicly together. It's encouraging to the body. We believe in water baptism by immersion in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's truth number three. Truth number four, and in remembering the night our Lord was with his disciples in the upper room by regularly observing the Lord's Supper. And in remembering the night, our Lord was with his disciples in the upper room by regularly observing the Lord's Supper. And so to explain this, we're just going to read a very uh, robust passage. And so this is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to read quite a few verses. So if you want to join me in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17... And this is also the moment where this is going to come in real handy if you have your communion elements, okay? And we're going, to, we're going to utilize this together as we go through this passage. In verse 17, Paul's writing to the church here in Corinth, and he says, In the following instructions I do not commend you. So we're getting to a, you know, a section that's not going so well here in the letter, right? Because when you come together, and that's important, when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. So things aren't going so well, Paul's going to bring some correction here. For in the first place, when you come together, again, when you come together, the church is supposed to come together, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. In other words, he's saying people who are truly believers are going to be able to be known as truly believers, which means if you have true believers, you're going to be able to see people who are not truly following the Lord. If you have people who are unified in Christ, you're going to be able to see people who are not. That's what he's saying. You'll be recognized. When you come together, again, the church comes together. It's three times already It said, and we've only gotten four verses. Three times it's already said when you come together. I think the Lord wants us to come together. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. In other words, they were eating the elements. They were drinking the elements. They, were, they had the physical things, but they weren't representing the Lord. So they weren't honoring the Lord. Okay? They, were, they, were, they were eating and drinking, but they weren't honoring the Lord. What?! I love that. Does the Bible ever yell at you? Yes, verse 22. What? That's that's awesome. What? You all just learned a Bible verse. What? All right, next time, you know, something's not going right, and you're like, what Bible verse? What? Just yell what, all right? And it'll be like, I know scripture. This is awesome. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Okay, so he corrects them. Now he gives the instruction. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me. And so when we take the bread right now, we don't wanna do it haphazardly. We don't wanna do it not acknowledging Jesus. We wanna do it honoring to the Lord of what the purpose of why we would eat this is. And the reason we're eating this is because of what Jesus is saying here. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we eat it, we're supposed to be eating it in remembrance of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you would like to eat the bread in remembrance of Jesus right now, let's do that together. In the same way, he also took the cup. And after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So common elements at a meal, bread and a, and a cup. And he's saying, when you come together and have these meals where you're honoring me and you're remembering me, don't, don't do this and just go get drunk and you're not thinking about Jesus and you're just doing your own thing. You're, you're not caring about those who have nothing. You know, don't, don't do it with that. When you come together, honor the Lord, honor one another. And when you go to do the cup, the point of drinking the cup is because of the covenant in the blood. And so when we drink the cup, we're supposed to remember that Christ has entered us into a new covenant with him through his blood. And so if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus and you want to remember the covenant of the blood of Jesus, you can at this time drink the cup if you'd like to do that. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so when we eat the bread, we remember that the Lord died for us. When we drink the cup, we remember that the Lord died for us. And we also remember he's coming back because we're supposed to proclaim his death until he, until he comes. And so we're going to continue observing communion until, until the Lord returns. Whoever there eats the bread or drinks the cup and the Lord... In an unworthy manner, we'll be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord, which is why I just shared with us not to do that before we did it, because we don't want to be guilty of not observing the Lord as we do it. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so right now, let's just take a moment to examine our own hearts. We just observed the Lord's Supper, we observed the bread, we observed the cup, and in the order of the passage it says, now to examine. So let's do that. So let's just take a moment quietly before the Lord... And let's just examine our hearts. It goes on. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So clearly there was like a physical judgment that was coming upon these people because they weren't observing the Lord's Supper correctly. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. So if we were to examine our hearts and let the Lord examine our hearts and see what's going on in our hearts as we go to the Lord in communion and, let, the God, and let, let, you know, let God do what he needs to do in our lives, then we would be submissive to him. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. If, if God brings judgment and discipline to our life, it's not a bad thing. He does it because he loves us, and he wants to correct us. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, see how it said come together? The church is supposed to come together. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. So, you know, the, the point wasn't that we were going to all, you know, have a meal in this moment right here. We're, we're doing this a little differently than what they would have done with Jesus at the time when they were actually having dinner together. Let them eat at home so that when you come together it will not be for judgment and about other things I will give directions when I come. And so really clearly we have the instruction to observe the bread and to observe the cup. And so number four, and in remembering the night our Lord was with his disciples in the upper room by regularly observing the Lord's Supper. Now I want to do one more. And I'm going to move this out of the way here to do this last one. I'm gonna give one more bonus truth and that is Jesus is our primary example. When we come together and we talk about being the church, what's the church supposed to be like? Who's the church supposed to be like? I wanna have this passage define that for us. And to do that, I'm gonna to have, to, to have to get down. So this bonus truth here is Jesus Christ is our primary example. And I'm going to read right now out of John chapter 13. So if you, want to, if you want to go to John chapter 13 and follow along with me, I'm going to read, uh, I think about 17 verses here. And hopefully this will serve as a great illustration as we think about how should we be as the church? What, what should we be like as the church? It says in John chapter 13, verse one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and he was specifically with his disciples in this moment. And during the supper then, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, and he was going back to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taken a towel. He, he wrapped it around his waist, okay? And then he, he poured water into a basin. And then it says he began to wash the disciples' feet, which means he had to be down on his hands and knees because that's where feet are. That's six feet from my eyes when I'm standing up. Six feet lower than when I'm standing is where people's feet are. And he has to get down on his hands and knees. And now he's putting his hands in the water. And he's washing feet dirty feet. They've been walking in sandals. They've been walking on the dirt. It's not like they just got back from the pedicure. He's down on his hands and knees, and he's washing their feet. And then he's taking the towel, and he's drying their feet. Do you see what the leader of the church is doing in this moment? This is the leader of the church. Who's the Who's the church supposed to be like? Jesus. He's the head of the body. He's the firstborn among the brothers. All things have been placed under his feet, yet he gets down on his hands and his knees and he washes the feet. All things have been placed under his feet, yet he chooses to wash the feet of the members of his body. Do you see our example? For what the church is supposed to be like. Down on our hands and knees, dealing with the dirty stuff. People's feet who are nasty, grimy, dirty, getting down on our hands and knees and getting the water and washing their feet. We're glad you're here. We're glad to be together. We're glad to have the opportunity to serve you in this moment and to wash your feet, to dry your feet. I can't think of a better picture that shows us what does Jesus want us to do? How does he want us to live? He then goes on to tell him In the passage later on, he says, "Do you understand what I've done to you in verse 12? You call me teacher and Lord for your right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example. That you also should do as I have done to you. Truly I say to you that a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we've got this incredible illustration that you've given us where you wash the disciples' feet. And it says that we're going to be blessed if we do these things. And so God, help us to get down on our hands and knees. Help us to take the role of a servant. Help us to be willing to get our hands dirty. Help us to be willing to welcome people in who have dirty feet. Help us to have humility. Help us to follow the example that you have given. Help us to be obedient to do the things that you've commanded us to do. Lord, we need your help. And so as a church, we're coming before you and we're asking, would you help us follow your example? And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said. Amen.